Hello to you, our listeners. It's Jerry and Gary. 98.5. CK Fee. CK Fee. CK Fee. Radio from the Heartland. Hi, everybody. Welcome to CK Fee. Are you in, uh, are you in full woolly mammoth mode? Okay. <laughs> I was referring to a prehistoric animal that's in those books. Okay, so for people who didn't listen to the previous episode, I made a reference to being a woolly mammoth based on the book Clan of the Cave Bear, and Riley decided to go blue with it. Well, you know, you said I was, you said I was in full woolly mammoth mode. What the fuck? Is that a giant... Whatever they call it, of beer? What? Is, what the fuck is that? That's huge. That is a, uh, a Stein. It's huge. It's a German Stein, and it has iced tea in it. Is that really iced tea? Did you make it or from mix? No, it's p- uh, pure leaf iced tea. If you go to the bottom of that glass, you have to slowly come up to decompress. It's huge. And it is fitting uh, with tonight's episode. Did you get that beverage intentionally? For tonight's yeah. episode? Oh, yes. I love this. I love I love a good prop. If you notice, there's a flag on this glass. Uh, why don't you tell the good listener whose flag that is? I'm terrible. It's black on the top, red in the middle, and goldish yellow down the bottom. Oh, God, I don't it's know. It's not Belgium. It's... Portugal? No. Germany. Is that the German flag? Yeah, that's the German flag. Okay, I, I, I'm bad with flags. Sports people know flags because of soccer and shit, right? I don't... I don't know flags. I, I never, I didn't know. I don't do very well with geography. I'm sorry. I loved geography in school. And the problem with that was, it's probably the subject next to history. Like I'm talking about early school, because eventually it was drama that I loved the most. But geography I loved, but I realized really early, like in high school, that you can't, there's not a lot you can do with that. Like for real. Like who's going to become a geologist? A cartographer. Yeah, sure. Or like I thought maybe an urban planner. And that is a real thing that, you know, there. but there's not a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. your chances of getting into that and being successful is very low. But I always loved it. I loved partly, I think, my visual memory so I could memorize like where things were. And I liked learning about volcanoes and and earthquakes and the different types of formation. I just thought that stuff was interesting, including like um, I do that now where I quiz myself on all of the countries of the world if I can remember them. And it's just a picture. Like I I put the map in my head and then I I can kind of. Remember you had to color the map of the world with pencil crayons. I loved that. Absolutely loved that. I remember early geography was the first time I ever stumbled across the word fjord. Mm. Do you remember fjord? Have you ever seen a fjord? Yes, of course. Where? Um, in magazines and shit. Have you been to a fjord? No, I, I, I don't go to cold places. So it's very unlikely that I would see a fjord. I'm not going to go to Iceland or whatever. So I, I've never been to Iceland or, or any of the Scandinavian countries. Although I really, I would like to move there, to be honest with you. Because they're so progressive? Yes. I agree. They just get it. Right? But they have huge suicide rates. Well, it's dark in Norway. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. Sweden and, and Denmark have that problem. Sweden is where I'd want to go. Aren't they, though, hugely xenophobic as well? It's funny that you, you say that. We had a neighbor across the street who had lived in Denmark for 20 years. He was originally from Iraq, moved to... Uh, and he was a watchmaker. So he, appren- he was an apprentice watchmaker, eventually ended up working for the Swatch company in Denmark. I love Swatch. I have a Swatch. He moved finally to Canada for a business opportunity, still as a, a watchmaker. Uh, he got emotional once because I referred to him as a new Canadian. Okay. It was one of the first times, I think it was the first time we, we talked. And he mentioned how in Denmark, they've never been referred to as new Danes. They were always, they were always going to be from away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of it. But then you look at some of the things that they're trying to do as a people... I still think that they're moving in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. They're they're 20 years ahead of us. But they still are very much a homogeneous society of white Christian people. Mm-hmm. They have a long way to go to get to the United States or, or Canada or, or even the United Kingdom's level of multicultural sort of Well, mosaic. it's because they're, they're also very isolated. They're just isolated they've always been very isolated kind of protected communities you know, right? they're small populations too right they're mm-hmm. not they're not big places 
So, no, I just like their way. The, in my travels, the, the Scandinavians I've met, I've always really enjoyed their company. I found them to be quite well-educated and kind people. And they've got fjords. And they have fjords. Did you know that the Philips Manufacturing Company is in one of those countries? I don't know which one it was, but Norway or Denmark or something, or maybe even Iceland. But Philips comes from there, and it's like one of the biggest industries there. Like, I thought Philips for sure, like, you know, the Hue light bulb, that Philips. I thought for sure it was an American company. No, no, no. So Philips, like the TVs and all that, that's a Scandinavian company. Yeah. So, Riley, tonight I thought... Let's do something Halloweenish. I know we've already done an episode on the history of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Love that. This episode, though, has some added weight to it because it's um, it's going to air during the Halloween week. Ooh. So I was thinking in preparation for this show, what would be some something very fun that we associate a character, perhaps we associate with Halloween, one of the pillars of of the the horror genre. We've done vampires already. We've talked a lot about ghosts. So what I thought we could talk about mm-hmm. was werewolves. Oh, okay. Les Lugaru. In my reading about the werewolves, and first my initial sort of thinkings on this show was that I would talk about werewolves and maybe share some stories that, you know, through the ages of werewolves. (laughs) You took a pause there and it was a werewolves and maybe Cher. And I thought, what the fuck does Cher have to do with werewolves? She marry one of those two? And then, then, then you continue the sentence. I thought you were like, tonight's topic is werewolves and Cher. Believe in life after love. I can see it in your eyes. You say it was. So in doing my, my homework for this, I found a tale that blew me out of the water it is through and through creepy 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 tonight intrepid listener is my darkest tale to date oh yeah i have not done anything like this before to the point where i'm gonna say if you have children who've been listening to our show and my kids will sometimes listen depending on the topic this is definitely definitely 18 Plus, this is so dark, Riley. There are things that I, like, I've got in my notes that I won't be able to say. Really? I don't want to go, the details, like, really fine. I don't, there's some finer details I won't. I'll tell you where. Okay. And you'll probably be able to sort of figure out why pretty easily. I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. I'm in full woolly mammoth mode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to live that down, am I? Nope. So before we we start into the actual story, I did want to give an overview of werewolves because I learned something about them that I didn't know before. I know you, like me, are a big fan of Penny Dreadful. Mm -hmm. And you, like me, also are a fan of gothic horror. Mm Mm-hmm. I was always I always thought that was neat. Sometimes werewolves are actually depicted as sort of like this weapon of God. They were, you know, in, in Penny Dreadful, they're um, they're actually sort of like this unwieldy creature of God that's meant to sort of counterbalance vampires and stuff like that. They're the the mortal enemy of vampires, right? Yes. In a lot of different shows. One of the shows that I don't know if you you've seen it, uh, Being Human. No, what's Being Human? <gasps> Why do I know this? Oh. You've got to watch. Why do I know show. that name though? What is it? it? There's so there's two versions. There's an American version and a British version. Stay well away from the American version. Um, I'm sorry if I know any of the actors that were in that. It's just it's a rehash of the British version and it's not as good. The British version, um, the basic premise of it is it's a vampire, a ghost, and a werewolf living in a flat together in London. Oh. But it's and it's not a comedy. So it's not like what we do in the shadows. No, which is also so oh so fuck, it's so good. Right? It's it's that old vampire. Yeah. What's his name? <laughs> Jerry or something? <laughs> yeah. And he's like he's like Nosferatu. He is. Yeah. Oh. But he's they call he's, fuck. That's fun. and Murray from. I can't remember his, his name, but the, the actor who plays Murray in Flight of the Concords yes. is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. And there's that scene where they're in the park and they're, the werewolves and the vampires are fighting. And he's like, guys, why can't we just all get along? Oh, I know. It's hilarious. Isn't the guy who directed Taiki whatever yeah. from Jojo Rabbit, the yes. best movie of ever? And Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Did you see Jojo? I did. It is one of the best movies of all time. I love it when we go on these tangents. But the thing about that movie is you are laughing and you keep checking yourself 
because you feel like I shouldn't be laughing. This is Hitler. He's this demonic historical entity and in this movie he's silly and funny and then but then it's so brilliant because it does turn oh and he fucks with the audience uh taiki i can't pronounce his last name so i'm not gonna try what tt i think yeah something like that but anyway he fucks with the audience there's that that scene in jojo rabbit where you it's beautiful music and it's the butterfly and you're watching the butterfly and then it lands on the shoe yeah and the whole movie flips on on its side at that moment and you're just you you just feel like you're gonna die Mm -hmm. please don't take this the wrong way but the little boy in in it who's the one in the you know he's like oh these uniforms are made of paper do you remember him like his friend yes the little guy yeah i he just reminds me of you (laughs) like you would play that character so well and he is a kind loyal friend oh he's lovely i'll take it tell me this dark story i'm excited So i wanted to say this though just that that i've always been intrigued by werewolves and like is there supposed to be a rivalry between them and vampires or is this something that just sort of has been made up in recent fiction the reality is that's the case that a lot of the things that we're seeing now like in penny dreadful and those things are, are a made-up fiction and a fun one well the same thing in that what's that series of movies you know with the lycanthropes and the lichens and the vampires fighting oh um, um, van helsing no, it's a. There's a woman in it. Yes, look it up while I'm talking. Oh, I will. So, but werewolves do do have an actual history to them, and uh, this is the the basic sort of rundown of where they come from. So they do derive from folklore. They're known as werewolves or lycanthropes, and that sort of gives is the the name used to describe humans who have the ability to shape shift into a wolf either purposely or after being placed under a curse or affliction with the transformations occurring on the night of a full moon we all know that trope yeah yeah it's back in the original uh black and white movie with the werewolf remember the gypsy woman is yeah. in it and uh, yeah. the, the whole curse uh the movie's underworld underworld that's it there you go something i i read that i thought was interesting too is that the sort of humanoid wolf type creature that's a very modern type thing it's usually in the past they believed that it was more like a full transformation into an actual wolf mm-hmm. a large powerful wolf so the werewolf is a widespread concept in european folklore and it exists in many different forms Uh, from the early modern period werewolf beliefs also spread to the new world with colonialism so that those beliefs came like when we talked about halloween Mm -hmm. sort of traveled with with those people belief in werewolves developed in parallel and i thought this was very interesting to the belief in witches in the course of the late Middle Ages and the early modern period, like the witchcraft trials as a whole, the trial of supposed werewolves emerged in what is now Switzerland. Switzerland. Thanks a lot, Switzerland. In the early 15th century and spread throughout Europe in the 16th, peaking in the 17th and then subsiding in the 18th century. The persecution of werewolves and the associated folklore is an integral part of the witch hunt phenomenon, albeit a much much less common happening that someone would be accused of, of being a werewolf. I've never heard of it ever. Right. But it, it, it did happen at the same time sort of as that. As a witch trials. Wit- mm-hmm. During, and I was reading too, which is sort of interesting, like some of the people that they'd pick up the, on this charge would be people that would claim to like they tried they were basically basically snake oil salesmen so they would try to sell people fake potions or spells and things like that okay kind of swept those people up and like you fucker like calling them on and basically saying okay so you can do this well then you're in league with the devil and we're gonna kill you yeah during the early period accusations of lycanthropy which again is the transformation into a wolf were mixed with accusations of wolf riding or wolf charming so they all kind of went together. Okay. Wolf charming is the ability to kind of speak to the wolves and get them to do your bidding. So someone could be charged with, if there was an actual wolf attack, someone could be charged with having instigated it. Oh, so they wouldn't actually do it. They would command the wolves to do it. Yeah, uh-huh. kind of like a druidic type thing. You That's know? a handy, handy thing to do. In D&D, there's, the druid can... Talk to the animals, right? Well, I used to play a druid in Warcraft, and I could turn into a wolf. That's right. Actually, no, I could turn into a cat or a bear. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't a wolf. That's right. It was like a panther-type creature. Yeah, it's cat. Yeah. So, and the, and the wolf riding was like literally riding wolves and being in league with the wolves. 
The phenomenon persisted longest in Bavaria and Austria, with persecution of wolf charmers recorded until well after 1650, the final cases taking place in the early 18th century in Carinthia and Styria, which are areas of Austria, or as I like to call it, Little Germany. There goes all our Austrian listeners. Come on. Like my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, he is of German descent, but he's from Hungary. But he's a German. He's from Hungary. What did I say? Hungary. <laughs> I I know. Oh, I'm thinking Bulgaria in my head. Is that the cool? Is that the cool brother-in-law you were talking about before? He has a good, an interesting job or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Peter. My sister's 10 years older than, than I am. So he uh, he was like a big brother to me. And they started dating when I was 11 or something like that. I think I was 11. I have a good memory. Except for country names. Did he? Does he know that you learned all about sex from Clan of the Cave Bear? Well, I he was the one reading the stories to me. So I guess so. That's creepy. <laughs> I should never have brought that up. Okay, so my kids can't listen to this one for sure. Just for this stuff alone. All right. After the end of the witch trials, the werewolf became of interest in folklore studies and in the emerging gothic horror genre. Werewolf fiction as a genre has pre-modern precedence in medieval romances such as Bess Clavrette and Guillaume de Palerme and developed in the 18th century out of the semi-fictional chapbook tradition. Do you know about chapbooks? Because I knew nothing about them before this. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good for you. I didn't. So that is kind of like street lit, right? Like this is Absolutely, the stuff. That, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So short little stories. And, and that's where they first sort of took hold is these, these stories of these werewolves. Did you know that the top 40? Uh, also began as selling sheet music. Oh. So it's the same situation. So I didn't know this either, but um, the world's greatest expert on this was actually a gentleman named Tiny Tim, who was much maligned because he, because he sang a song called Tiptoe Through the Tulips, which was actually one of those pieces of sheet music. So you would go to the store and you would buy the latest song as sheet music and you would bring it home. And there was always someone in the house who would play the piano and you guys would play the piano and sing the latest hit. Cool. So... A famous case from 1589 led to a significant peak in both interest in and persecution of supposed werewolves, primarily in French-speaking and German-speaking Europe. And that is the launching point for the rest of this story, where we're going to dive into that famous case from 1589. Riley, this is the final warning that I'm going to give to our listeners if you have children with you and you've been thinking, you know what, Dan is just full of it. This is not going to be that scary. I'm going to let my six-year-old listen to this as they uh, drift off to sleep. Please, please take the uh, the stereo out of their room. Uh, if you're listening to us on a record player, remove the record player because this thing is scary. Mum, if you're listening, please turn this episode off let dad listen to it and then he'll tell you about it tomorrow and then finally uh my father will finally listen to this show all right are you ready riley well after that warning am i ever yeah i feel like i've built it up way too much it's not like it's not it's just graphic it's gross well it should be something like and she lost her finger oh so you do know the story <laughs> this story is known as the werewolf of bedburg in the late 16th century, so late, uh, the, the, but a 20 year span leading right up to um, 1589, uh, the town of Bedburg, Germany, was terrorized by a diabolical creature that slaughtered its cattle and snatched away its women and children, killing them with unspeakable morbidity. And the shocked and horrified townspeople feared that they were being victimized by a raving wolf or worse. Mm. Let me explain a little bit what Bedburg looked like at that time. It's known as Bedburg How. It is a municipality in the district of Cleves in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany. So northwest part of the country, close to the, the big city is Cologne. Mm -hmm. That would be its mm -hmm. closest city. So northwest, close to the Belgian border. And you mentioned Westphalia, which is the, a very famous van. Yes. Yes, from the 60s. And ties directly into the story. Of course it does. I'll let you figure out where. On it. So it's uh, an old medieval town. It has a large castle at its center. It had walls all the way around the, the town. It wasn't a, by any means a large uh, settlement. 
then, nor was it, is it now, sorry, it's still only a few thousand people. Um, it's interesting if you do take a look at the, at the town, beautiful cobblestone streets, uh, has quite a few buildings still standing, which is unique in Germany after the Second World War for those buildings to have not been demolished. I'm assuming because there mustn't have been any munition factories or things like that that, that would have had it being bombed, or maybe it was just too small. At the time, uh, Catholicism and Protestantism, I always find that word so hard, yeah, it's were hard. at war for the hearts and minds of the population. And as a result of that, it was the site of many battles. There were invading armies coming and going and, uh, you know, bringing with them war and strife, which put a lot of pressure on these people who many were just farmers trying to, to make their way through life and weren't, you know, looking to get involved in any of these bigger uh, scale productions. There were also outbreaks of the, the Black Plague that would rip through there and, you know, wipe out half your population. So conflict and death and strife were not strangers to the people of these of this region. They were used to hardship and dealing with bad crap. And back in that part of history, it wasn't a fun time. No, but what makes what's what's interesting with this story is that this was really bad and really really scary for these people that were pretty hardened and superstitious as well, right? They very had been incredibly very, very. superstitious. Yeah. So, it starts with some cattle mutilations. For many years, farmers around Bedburg were mystified by the strange deaths of some of their cows. Day after day, for many weeks, they would find cattle dead in the pastures, ripped open as if by some savage animal. So what would you assume if you're a farmer? A wolf or uh, some kind of predator. Yeah. Yeah. The farmers did suspect that it was wolves, but this was actually the beginning of a more sinister being's unnatural compulsion to mutilate and kill. This insatiable drive would soon escalate into attacks on its neighboring villagers. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Children began to disappear from their farms and homes. Young women vanished from the paths they traveled daily. What does that remind you of? Yeah. Ooh. Little Red Riding Hood. Well, and, and that would have been written... I know there's been many variations, but that would have been written around this time. Yeah, that's the Brothers Grimm, right? I believe it's Brothers Grimm. It or is. was it Hans Christian Andersen? No, I think that, that's Grimm, Fairy Tales. Yeah, that has a Grimm. That's Grimm. Yeah. And that they were write, writing around this time. And they're German. So, yeah, so and this thing is famous. This is not like a... This was like a global phenomenon. Okay. What ended up happening here. Mm. Mm-hmm. So some were found dead. Others horribly mutilated. Uh, and then would would perish soon after. Others were never found at all. Oh no! When you said horribly mutilated, I assumed dead. So not yet dead. Oh. Well, some of the corpses, any of the any of the bodies they found were badly mutilated. Okay. Ugh. Okay. The community was thrown into a panic. Uh, hungry wolves were suspected, and the villagers armed themselves against the animals. So there was a cull. Any any wolf found in the area was immediately and aggressively hunted down and killed. Okay. Some, though, feared a more devious creature, a werewolf, who could walk among them unsuspected as a man and then transform into a wolf when it needed to to satisfy its hunger. So the wolf in this case isn't the wolf we know where it's only a full moon thing. Yeah, it, it, it is not that. It is not that. That's a modern thing. And I'll, I'll explain what this werewolf did Ooh. as I drink from my... my your endless, your bottomless mug of iced tea. That's a lot of it. You're never going to sleep again. I need it, man. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Okay, understood. Okay. Leave me alone. Just let me drink my iced tea. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry that I got angry at you. You're the best. Somebody get me a wash basin. You know, if someone just started listening on this episode, like this was their first one, they'd have no idea like half the things that we're saying. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, now... You want to find out what a washbation is. <laughs> okay, continue. I mean, I'm very intrigued. Apparently, this was the case. There was someone. Oh, my God. Did you hear the howl of that beast? That's my dog. Could that have not been better timing? <laughs> I know. This was the case. Let me now introduce you to a gentleman. Actually, I shouldn't call him that. Let me now introduce you to the star of our show. He goes by the name of Peter Stumpf. S-T-U-M-P-F. Yeah, there's a number of different spellings of his name. There's Stubb as well, S-T-U-B-B-E. I prefer Stumpf because it's fun to say. And the Smurfs are called the Strumpf. Strumpf. 
so, know. I that's maybe I think what it makes me think of. So he also went other under some aliases. He he is known also as Abel Griswold or Abel Griswold or Ubel Griswold, and he was a wealthy farmer in the rural community surrounding Bedburg. The community knew him as a pleasant enough widower and a father of two adolescent adolescent children, and whose wealth ensured him a measure of respect and influence. But this was Peter Stumpf's public face. His true nature erupted when he donned the skin of a wolf. Oh. Whether Peter literally transformed into a wolf or would simply cloak himself with the skin of a wolf when seeking his victims, the fact is he used this disguise to his advantage. Stumpf would later confess that the devil himself gave him a magic belt of wolf fur that, when he put it on, transformed him into, and I quote, the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. And when he took the belt off, he believed, he returned to his human state. Okay. And that quote, by the way, is from Peter Stumpf himself. No matter what you think he was, Peter Stumpf was a deranged serial killer. Mm-hmm. Exactly how many people Stumpf is supposed to have killed isn't clear, though he explicitly admitted to killing 14 children and two pregnant women whose unborn children he also cannibalized. Oh my God. This is the part where... Like, I've got a whole bunch of details of the things he he did, and I don't want to bring them up. Cannibalizing unborn children were good. So imagine I'm telling you that, and there's worse things I could tell you. Like, the actual things, they, they described it, right? Is the Can you tell me one? Oh, I'm looking through my notes here. Well, like, he, it's, no, I don't want to. Oh, just one. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you this, that he would not only murder you. Oh, is and, it sexual? eventually eat you but there was also yeah he was he was doing things to you before that as well okay so he's he's just full-on psycho like serial killer uh, awful okay yeah i mean think of hannibal lecter without the wit and charm well actually i think he had that too oh okay right he was very affable very friendly everyone liked him so lambs and calves were often ripped apart and devoured raw in one instance this is a uh, an actual thing that happened there was a a triple murder and stumpf saw two men and a woman walking taking a walk just outside the city walls of bedberg and apparently he crouched hidden out of sight in the bushes and called for help from one of the men knew him by name called him asked him to come in and and in a way like hey can you come help me with something the guy went into the bush he killed him right away Mm mm-hmm the other guy hears this and so then goes in to see like what's going on. He kills him and then emerges from the bushes and ends up pursuing that lone woman and um, ends up murdering her. So and, and doing some terrible things to her as well. He And apparently, this is something he admitted to. At least one child was lucky enough to have escaped an attack. Several children were playing in a meadow among some cows when Stumpf ran after them grabbing one small girl by the neck. As the other children ran away, Stumpf tried to rip her throat out, but his fingers were prevented from doing so by her stiff, high collar. This gave her time to cry out, and this cry altered the cattle, which, fearing the safety of their calves, charged after Stumpf. He released the girl and fled, and the girl survived. I think that's the first time in my life I've ever heard of anybody being saved by cattle. Yeah, neat, eh? Yeah. I, I was thinking about that too. And they can be a force of nature, those beasts, when they are, um, you know, and they work together like that, like a, a raging herd. Did you know a lot of times they will put donkeys in fields with cattle? Do you know why? No. Because donkeys can repel wolves. Really? Yeah, they kick. I didn't know this either. They're such aggressive animals and they're such aggressive kickers that wolves just can't get anywhere near them. So they will put them in the fields with the cattle and they will go after wolves and protect the cattle. I know I had no idea either. I thought they were just slow, stupid animals that took you down into the Grand Canyon. You know, every few years you come up with something that just makes me think, wow, that's a thinking person. No, I just watch a lot of TV. 
Perhaps his most fiendish murder he reserved for his own family. Oh, no. Stubuff had incestuous relationships with his sister slash cousin, depends on the account you're reading, and his own daughter, whom he impregnated. He also murdered his son, who he led into the forest, ate his brains, and killed him. Oh, my God. So this guy is really psychotic. Yes. Like, mondo biondo psychotic. Mm -hmm. Okay. By any definition, Peter Stumpf was a monster. Yet, all the while, he remained unsuspected by the townspeople. In a story that was written at that time, called, or shortly after the the conclusion of this story, called The Damnable Life and Death of Peter, uh, Stubb Peter, which was written, it was written just two years after Stubb's uh, trial by... uh, by, the, by a guy named George Boris, he wrote this. So George Boris experienced this story himself, so this is his account of what happened. He's quoted as saying, And sundry times he would go through the streets of Carlin, Bedburg, and Seprat, in calmly habit and very civilly, as one well known to all the inhabitants thereabout, and oftentimes was he saluted of those whose friends and children he had butchered, though nothing suspected for the same. Stumpf must have thought himself invincible through the power of his magic belt, yet it was this belief that ended his reign of terror. He's like Hercules with the belt. Yeah, yes, that's very good. Look at you. Mm. When the limbs of several missing people were found in a field, the villagers were further convinced that our ravenous wolf was responsible, and so several hunters set out with their dogs to pursue the predator. The men hunted the creature for days, until, at last, they saw him. But, according to the account, they saw and chased down a wolf, not a man. So they see a wolf in the area where these severed limbs are, and they start going after it. It's a big wolf, and it's fast, and it t- it's two days it took them to track this thing down with their dogs. So eventually these dogs, the hunter's dogs, chase the animal until they have it cornered. The hunters were sure that they were chasing a wolf, but when they came to the spot where the dogs had it cornered, there they found Peter Stumpf. Oh, wow. You totally misled me. I thought you were going to say they shot the wolf, but they had the wrong... No, no. no, So it was him. Oh. According to George Bohr's account, being trapped with no room for escape, Stumpf removed his magic belt and transformed from the wolf to his human form. The hunter saw no magic belt, as Stumpf later claimed he had, but only an ordinary walking stick in his hand. At first, they disbelieved their own eyes. They couldn't believe for a moment that Stumpf, this well-respected town person, could possibly be the person that they had been cho- that they had been chasing. To the point where they thought that maybe the appearance of Peter was actually a trick by the devil, meaning the devil was trying to trick them to thinking it was Peter, but really it was someone else. Well, he really was well-respected and liked. That's right. Wow. So they escorted Peter back to his home, and then when. He got there, they realized that, no, this is actually Peter Stumpf. And at that point, he was promptly arrested and put to trial. Thought now to be a werewolf, Stumpf was brought to trial, and it was only under pain of torture on the rack, which, you know, where they stretch your body out and Oh, I know. Yeah. That his confession to all of the heinous crimes came out, including sorcery, his consort with the devil, and the story of the magic belt. And reportedly what he what he confessed to was that at the age of 12, he um, engaged in the art of black magic and succeeded in summoning the devil. Ooh, it's like the beginning of The Exorcist, playing with that Ouija board. Yeah. So he went on to explain that Beelzebub had presented him with a magical belt that would allow him to assume the likeness of a wolf. When asked about the location of the belt, Stumpf insisted that he dropped it. Here's something I don't understand is if you're a wolf, how do you take the belt off? I don't think you do. You have to transform back, right? Well, but that's what made him transform is the belt itself. Oh. Maybe you brush up against a log or something. No, there's no time limit. Brush up against a log. Well, I don't know. And, and, but, but, and wouldn't anybody notice, hey, that wolf has a belt on. Well, yeah, and if they notice, they're also going to be dead like 10 seconds later. So, But the belt would also fit him and the wolf? Maybe it was elastic. It was like stretchy dad jeans. Maybe it was a fanny pack. 
So he he explained that where he thought he had dropped his belt, um, and uh, they they actually went back to look. The towns, like the officials of the town, went to search for uh, the belt, but they couldn't find it at all. Some took that as a sign that perhaps Lucifer had come back to snatch this evil evil artifact back before it could fall into anyone else's hands. Because, you know, Lucifer is always worried about, you know, dangerous things falling into the wrong hands. He's Mm -hmm. a very community-oriented... He's a responsible entity. Have you ever read Timothy Finley's Not Wanted on the Voyage? Of course. It's going to sound so sacrilegious, but, like, Lucifer is one of the protagonists of the story. yeah. It's a great book. I love it. It's his only book I really like, actually. You Not like Wanted the on the Voyage? I met him many, many times. Oh, really? He would come to Ottawa U all the time. So, Stumpf maintained that he used the belt over the years to turn into a, a, to a wolf. Uh, while making use of this unfathomable power, Stumpf claimed that he was overcome with an intense urge to consume blood and flesh. An urge he managed managed to sate for many years by killing sheep and uh, and, and other animals. Schumpf claimed that sometime later he moved on to murdering and consuming human victims. That that was the only thing that could give him the, um, I'm rambling again. Sate his appetite? I already said sate. That's why I was trying to think of. Satisfy his craving. Thank you. I'm going to say that. Quell his hunger. I can go on all night. I know. I'm I'm tired. This happens to me when I have to do improv and I'm tired. It's bad. So that's when I just get, I just, I just take down my pants. On stage. I got kicked out of Yuck Yuck seven times last year for taking down my pants. Yeah, so Stumpf claimed that sometime later he moved on to murdering and consuming human victims as that was the only thing that would uh, feed his hunger for flesh. Mm. Stumpf also explained that the belt gave him a voracious sexual appetite and that he courted many mistresses over the years, including a succubus sent to him by Satan. Have you ever been courted by a succubus? Not that I know of. But I was going to say um, that what you're describing is classic serial killer MO because they always start off by killing animals and other things like that before they move on to humans. So this is just, this is classic serial killer description. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Beyond the succubus, Schumpf's sexual conquests were reportedly to have included his own daughter, as I mentioned earlier, who purportedly bore him a child whom he then killed, as mentioned earlier, and his sister, sometimes identified as his cousin, as I also mentioned earlier, known as Catherine Trompin. His daughter and Trompin were also subse- subsequently accused of being party to many of Stumpf's murders and, like him, were sentenced to death. Jesus. Yeah. The fact that he was tortured, of course, has led some researchers to deduce that he might not have done any of these things at all. Like, when you're put on the rack... You'll say whatever you need to to get them to stop. It's true. It's that level of torture. You'll just you'll, you'll admit to anything. The weird part is, why would he go into so much detail? Like, all he had to admit to was a couple things, and they would have killed him anyway. He could mm-hmm. have said, I am a werewolf, and yes, I killed a few. But it's the level of detail that he also apparently provided that's odd. Again, classic serial killer. They love confessing. They want to be known. They want what they've done mm-hmm. to be known. So, mm-hmm. at least from my understanding. It has also been speculated that he may have simply been a victim of the politics of his time and hysteria over werewolves and other supernatural creatures. Bedburg, and I mentioned this earlier about how there had been invading armies in and out of that area. Bedburg, formerly a Protestant region, had recently been overthrown in 1587 by a guy, and I love this name, by a guy named Count Werner von Salm Reichenscheidike and his soldiers who were staunchly Catholic. I think I pronounced that Was right. Was that his whole name? Yeah. Jesus. Count Werner von Salm Reichenscheidike. And I think that's how you say dyke in German. God, how, what an awful, that's a really long name. It's D-Y-C-K. Imagine that business card. You'd have to print on both sides. You'd have to staple two business cards together. Yeah. Side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was, uh, uh, he and his soldiers were like big time into the whole Catholic thing. So you and I would have been very A-O-O-K-O with Count Werner von Schamreifenscheidek. That was really loud. That, uh, my ear is bleeding. That's, they just think of what would have happened if you were a Protestant 
listening to that. I know. So thus, it has been speculated that perhaps because Stumpf was likely a Protestant, as most of the people were in that town, that he was made uh, to be an example. Right. That they were just picking that out as sort of a reason. But it really, it was a scare tactic to keep the people in line. Or perhaps Stumpf was himself a victim of the superstition and religious rivalry taking place at the time. The fear and conviction of a demon-inspired werewolf might lead people back to the true church. So, you know, you, you people meddled with this rebellious sect, and look what happened. You had a, a werewolf in your midst. If you'd been Catholic, that wouldn't have happened. You'd had an object of the devil. Whether he was a was truly a serial killer or a political victim, Stumpf was found guilty on October 28, 1589, and his execution was as gruesome as any of the crimes in, of which he was accused. Oh, no. Now, on October 31st, <gasps> 1589, while Stumpf's mistress and daughter were sentenced to be burned to death, Stumpf himself was dragged to the streets of Cologne, which was the, the major city closest to um, to Bedburg, and strapped to a large wooden wheel with his limbs splayed out at awkward and excruciating angle, uh, angles. Searing hot pincers were then used to tear ten strips of flesh from Stumpf's legs and arms, exposing the bone. And do you want to know why they would use hot searing hot pincers? Because it would cauterize. Exactly. So you don't bleed to death. Yeah. You just, yeah. I mean, you would have died eventually from it, but... Then, using a heavy, blunted hatchet, the bones of his arms and legs were expertly broken one by one, so the flat part of the axe. After this, Stumpf's head was hacked from his body. His body was then burned along with his daughter. Finally, his head was placed on a pole attached to the torture wheel, which also had attached a depiction of a wolf. So imagine this tall, tall pole, and then they had the wheel that they used to, uh, to torture him on. And they hung these ten, these long strips of wood, uh, these 16 strips representing his 16 victims. Oh. Then they put on top of that wheel, it was either a wolf carcass or something that had a likeness of a wolf on it. And then on top of that, at the very top of the spike, it was his actual head. And this thing sat there for like a long time. It's like an art installation almost. Well, that's what I mean. It's like like a weird modern art thing. It's really complex. Yeah. Ugh. It was then left on public display as a, and I quote, Warning to all sorcerers and witches which unlawfully follow their own devilish imagination to their bitter ruin and destruction of their souls eternally. Well, I'm scared. The 1500s were a fun time, man. So, was Peter Stumpf, Peter, Peter Stumpf, was he a werewolf? Depending on what or who you want to believe, Peter Stumpf was either a severely deranged individual with an undiagnosed mental illness, a victim of the fight between Catholics and Protestants, or he was a werewolf acting under the command of Satan himself. And that is the story of the werewolf of Bedburg. I love this story. I was expecting more graphic imagery. Now I have to go look it up. But I want to tell you something. Oh, man. Like, I wish he had a scarier name. He sounds like a bumbling idiot. Like, oh, Peter Stumpf, you've spilled the strudel again. Well, maybe that's when he was being, maybe the Abel Griswold was his. No, he needs to be like Peter Bony Fingers. Well, and here's the thing is that he's brought up there. If you just go to his Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page on him, you know, they always show you pop culture references he's referenced a lot he's referenced in the exorcist oh is this is so weird i watched a show today about the making of the exorcist oh all practical special effects all practical she had like a giant pipe in her mouth yeah, spewing vomit yeah. and when she was um levitating above the bed it was on tiny little piano wires oh interesting everything in that movie was practical effects well it had to be because i will argue with anybody that i think 70s um, was the great decade of filmmaking. It's when directors controlled filmmaking and some of the best films ever were made in the 70s because it wasn't all about, well, it was about making money, but it was also about the art of film. And now I think that film is more about making money than anything else. Star Wars. Star Wars, Jaws. I mean, there's Rosemary's the French Baby. Connection, Catch-22. There are so, I could go on and on and on. Flash Gordon. Oh, you just had to go and take a poop on it. I think Flash Gordon's the 80s, isn't it? 
Flesh Gordon. Oh, Flesh Gordon. That's a dirty movie. That's from the 80s too, though, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, the 70s was a great era. That's, you know, The Godfather, right? I agree with you. Okay, you've given me three options. And the option that I'm going to go for, because it just suits me, is I want to think that he was just a fucking psycho. I think that that's the most likely. And look, again, you and I are both skeptics. I don't think he's a werewolf. It is interesting, the account of what happened, how he was caught. But they could have also been lying. Well, I love a great psychopathy. I love the fact that maybe he dressed in animal skins to, to, as a disguise. Well, and that and that's yeah, and that's one of the things that you'll if you if you go back and you start reading through these things is he probably actually he, he, as a serial killer he may have actually been wearing like a full on wolf skin with the head and everything. Cool, you know, and using it almost as camouflage or, yeah. or just as a way to intimidate and scare and sort of shock you and then get gain an advantage over you, right? So. The amount of evidence he gave at his trial doesn't make sense that he would provide that. Serial killers do that. That's what I mean, though. Yeah, right? okay. That's, that, that's what I mean. They love that, to brag about what they've done. If he had been innocent, I don't think he would have provided those details. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would he? Yeah. Unless, again, unless they wanted to, th- those words were put in his mouth because they wanted to paint the story of, this horrible word. No, that doesn't work for me. Um, no, uh, he would if he was going to confess under under pain and duress, he would just confess. He wouldn't weave this this really incredibly complex tale. I don't believe that. You know, it's interesting too. So I, I did the whole Google Map thing, and I want I like doing that when I'm talking about a specific place. Mm-hmm. I did that with Montauk. I'm doing that. I did that with this one. They actually have like stuff there still, uh, and it looks like it was all in German. But I think you can do like a walking tour of, I guess, where all the murders occurred. Oh, it's like Jack the Ripper. You can do that in England. Yeah, London. and it's and it still looks like a medieval town, right? So that'd be that'd be so cool. Germany's such a funny place, by the way. It, very um, superstitious place. Extraordinarily dark, superstitious place. It's funny. I've only been once, and I just had this assumption that like other most other parts of Europe, you could get by pretty easily with English. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, they speak, they do speak it. It's just, they kind of refuse to. <laughs> it, I had some tough times when I was in Munich. I thought Munich having been the site of the Olympics, I would be okay. I wasn't okay. It's really, yeah. English isn't a really heavy language. Well, this is like also 15 years ago. Things could have changed because English is really, it's hammering a lot of the other languages like in Japan, right? In Japan. I mean, everybody speaks English. You and I were, I was there in 2001 i had a funny i have a very funny story about germany uh we arrived we had been in belgium and we arrived in uh, frankfurt Mm -hmm. and we rented a car and i had this big michelin map is this you and maid marion this is me and maid marion okay and i said to the guy in the uh the car rental place can you show me how to get to Würzburg? Because we were going to drive from Frankfurt to Würzburg, which was just south of Frankfurt. And then we were going to get on something called the Romantic Road, which is this old Roman road that leads from Würzburg all the way down to Fusen in the foothills of the Alps. Okay. And we're going to take a few days to go and travel that route. So I'm asking him, I'm saying, can you show me? And he goes, ah, you don't need, uh, you don't need to follow the map. It's really easy. Frankfurt is a city, I think it's 7 million people. It's <laughs> huge. I, I'm nervous. So I'm all right, all right. And it's, I'm driving standard, which I'm not used to. And so I get in the car, we drive. I shit you not, two minutes and I'm lost. <laughs> I have no idea. And none of the signs, I, again, like I thought the signs would be in English. I'm an idiot, or that I could decipher them. I didn't realize how different German was from from English. I thought, you know, English is a Germanic language. It'll be, I could, you know, figure it out. I'm like that with French. Anyway, I couldn't. So I literally had to pull over onto a side street, and I am. I've never done this before or since. I rolled down my window, and I had to start calling for help. I was saying, I'm, hello, I'm Canadian, I'm lost, can someone help? And people were walking by and giving me the hairy eye. Finally, this little man with thick glasses comes over to me and he says, hello. And I said, hi, I'm, uh, can you help me? We're trying to get onto the Autobahn to get to Würzburg and we have no idea where to go. He goes, oh, well, that's fine because I'm, that's where I'm going. You can just follow me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So 
that's like, wow, how lucky are we? He said, but just uh, so you know, um, people are going to honk the horn. I'm doing a terrible German accent, but that's okay. People are going to honk the horn uh, at us as we drive um, because I have to drive very slow uh, because I'm legally blind. <laughs> <laughs> so he could only go 25 kilometers an hour. Oh, and we followed no. the bl- a blind man. On the Autobahn. Yeah. No less. But we got there. <laughs> I remember being in Munich and I was on the subway and I was going to see the uh, Olympic site and I was l- trying to listen to the subway stops and everyone sounded the same. Mm. I couldn't tell the difference between mm-hmm. one. Well, they speak fast and everything too. Yeah, right? and it was just, oh, it's hard. It's a hard language. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult. Well, Riley, that is it for uh, this Hallow Fantastic episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, I did. I loved, I loved this story. This is the first time you've gone into like gruesome territory. Yeah, and I, look, I know you're saying you wish. I, I really didn't feel comfortable with, like, I'll tell you after we're done recording, it's gross. And you want to go check it out, go check it out. And I'll put yeah. pictures up as I normally do of these things. And, and some of them, that just even like the how he was put to death are, are pretty... Like it was a dark, dark era that. Yeah. I uh, see. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, so I'm kind of I've I've got a thick skin when it comes to that because mm-hmm. there's been some bad ones. There's some really bad murders. I just know, like, I'm not triggered by that stuff, but I felt upset reading it. Maybe because uh, yeah. I'm a parent, and yeah, it's gross. Yeah. It's awful. It's disheartening. Okay. Um, happy Halloween, everybody. We loved that, and we can't wait to. Uh, to see you all again in a week's time yes happy halloween thank you for listening and uh, i hope you have a wonderful night and week me too see y'all soon bye count verna von sam reifenscheidig